Hey, everybody. Thanks for being with us. We close out the week here in Luke 22, um, moving again through Holy Week. Jesus has been visiting with the disciples, and we continue that conversation today um, in an in a kind of an odd passage. Um, this is one of those that, to my knowledge, nobody knows exactly what to do with Um there are versions of this, but Luke's is probably the most difficult. So let me read it for you, and then we'll, we'll do our best with it. Jesus said to them, When I sent you out without a purse, bag, or sandals, did you lack anything? They said, No, nothing. He said, But now the one who has a purse must take it, and likewise a bag. And the one who has no sword must sell his cloak and buy one. For I tell you, the scripture must be fulfilled in me. And he was counted among the lawless. And indeed, what is written about me is being fulfilled. They said, look, Lord, here are two swords. He replied, it is enough. So until you get to this last verse, you could think Jesus is saying something like, the last time I sent you out, I, I told you that it was a benefit to have nothing, but now you have to be prepared. You have to be protected. You have to be um, aware. You have to be careful, in, you know, that things are changing. The scripture is being fulfilled. It, it, he was counted among the lawless, and so you're going to be um, hunted. You're, it, it, this could be a prediction of all of that kind of stuff. But then this sword business comes up. There's two swords, and he replied, "It is enough." And and Michael, to my to my knowledge, I, I've never seen an explanation of this that I thought, "Oh, that clears it up." There's lots of guessing. There's lots of speculation. There's some people that say maybe the translation thing is. I've even heard that somebody try to make the case that what Jesus really says is that's enough, as in. Quit talking about swords, but Jesus brought it up, so th- that seems unlikely. I, this is one of those head scratchers that, if there was ever a clear message in it, I I think we've lost it, and I don't know what we should do with it. I do think there's some guidance in the rest of the passage, but as for that particular line, I I, I think is a mystery. So we've had this already in our study of Luke, Clint, but I'm just going to read the short descriptive sentence from my commentator that I have here. This short passage is difficult to interpret. And that's a PhD <laughs> who spent their entire career studying Luke. So I just I yeah. want to make it clear, you're not going to hear uh, the, the short answer to what's happening. I here. like that they say difficult to interpret and then don't interpret it. Yeah, well, they're going to, I mean, there's a lot of paragraphs to follow, but it's, you know, yeah. So he, here's the, the things that we hold in tension, right? Uh, on one hand, what you have is Jesus giving the disciples explicit instructions. You know the stuff that I told you to do previous, and, and we had in this study, Jesus saying, you know, go out, don't take anything. Uh, we talked at that time about how it's a measure of trust and it's recognizing for the disciples that God will take care of their needs that when they're called to do a task, God will give them enough to accomplish that task. Now, Jesus is literally turning that on its head. He's now saying at this place, remember when I said that? Now you need to take it. Take the purse, take the money, take the resources, take the bag. Um, And if you have a cloak, 
sell it and get a sword. And then the disciples say, hey, here's two swords. And if that's strange, and by the way, that is strange enough. I mean, reading Luke coming through here, that that's a weird kind of reversal. The thing I want to point out is just be reminded in a few short verses when Jesus goes to the garden and is ultimately arrested, when it comes to actually using those swords, Jesus forbids it. He says, you know, don't put that away. You don't need that. So, uh, there's a lot of tensions in a text like this, Clint. I mean, the point is we're not going to resolve them all. Uh, this surely meant something uh, when Jesus said it. It surely meant something that Luke understood it and included it. And whatever that is, we're not certain of its exact importance. We're not going to be able to deliver that to you. But, but clearly, Clint, if you look at the whole of Scripture and the whole of Luke's account, Taking swords is not the predominant theme. So, I mean, that we can be certain. Why it exists in this section of this text, you know, we're going to be speculating. Yeah, it, and it, you know, it, it is possible that what Luke is showing is is a misunderstanding on the part of the disciples as well. The, the idea that Jesus is saying we're at a moment where the world is going to become offensive, as, as in trying to get to you, offensive, not in the I'm offended, but in the they're coming after you, and that that is going to be a change, that it's it's going to become dangerous for disciples and believers. And you could, you could probably live there. I mean, you could probably be comfortable with that, but for this last line— they said, here are swords, and he says, it's enough, and what does he mean? What do they mean? Why do they have two swords at the Passover supper? <laughs> well, the whole thing is is odd, and, you know, when we have these moments that we come to Scripture and it doesn't speak clearly to us, I, I think rather than get troubled by that, we simply try to concede there must have been something there, but perhaps we miss it. Maybe we'll continue to work on it. Maybe there will be a day that that it says something clear. In the meantime, I think we try to not get – I think it is dangerous to put most of our focus on passages that we least understand, that there is enough challenge in trying to live up to what we do understand that I think these – passages are risky for us because if if we become obsessed with them, we likely miss the bigger points trying to chase our tail on the smaller ones. And so I, I do think there's room for caution, but we we tried to tell you at the beginning of this study and, and throughout, we will do our best to be honest with you when we don't have an answer. And, and I would say, speaking at least for myself, I, we don't have one today. Yeah, the only thing I might add, if, if you're interested in this, this commentator who I previously pointed out said this is difficult to interpret, the upshot of what they had to offer at the end was that turning to this quote, which is actually a quote from the Old Testament, this idea of being counted among the lawless uh, about what is written about me is being fulfilled. This is from Isaiah. The idea that the commentary lifts up is that that potentially we read these swords as being a recognition of the crisis that's about to happen, that it's in some way symbolic of the way that this this worldly kingdom is now going to come in direct conflict 
conflict with the the heavenly kingdom. Uh, Clint, that's one commentator's way of trying to gloss this in a way that makes sense to the modern reader. And I, I don't offer it to you as a solution. I, I just simply offer it as I, that's the kind of thing that we're going to have to do with a difficult text like this. We're going to have to say, okay, it's a bump in the text. Uh, it lives outside of what we have seen in Luke, the predominant themes, the predominant message of the of the story of the gospel. So now that it comes, yeah, I think you you rightly ask us, are we going to be troubled by it or are we going to uh, recognize the, the the disruption, rec- recognize the bump in the text? And then will we we move on, um, trusting that that the words that are clear are enough to guide our faith into the future? Yeah, and along with that, I think to focus on the parts of the passage that maybe do make some sense to us. So when Jesus says, did you lack anything? And they said, no, but he said to them, but now. In other words, Jesus is warning them that things are on the cusp of changing, and and I do think that's instructive. That part of the text I think we can resonate with, that they they stand at a precarious place in which following Jesus is now going to be different than it was. It, it's about to change, and Jesus is warning them. The warning he gives them is a difficult one for us to understand, but the reason he gives them those words seems clearer that now things are different. And I I think maybe at least that's some helpful general guidance or at least a, a signpost in a particular direction, even if we don't understand all the particulars. I, I would add to that, looking at this text, a thing that is clear, and it's clear throughout all of the Gospels, to be honest with you, comes in verse 37 this scripture must be fulfilled. The idea of fulfillment is written into every gospel, that Jesus is not some kind of departure from God's plan, but is actually embedded in God's historical work amongst humanity, that Jesus fulfills all of that that came before, all of the promises, all of the yearnings, all of the de- the God-given desires, that in Jesus, that finds complete embodiment, literally. I mean, we talk about incarnation, but fulfillment here does stand in that long line of saying that Jesus is making those things that were promises real and that everything that will follow Jesus will be in response to the fulfillment that's happened in him. So, yes, while while some of the details of this account may strike us as being novel or new in the reading of Luke, I I think that themes like this, Clint, are in every gospel. And I think that they're a reflection of Jesus's real teaching, that he wasn't coming to do this new thing that had no historical uh, antecedent. No, he, he was coming to be part of the thing that God had intended all along. That's the fulfillment of God's providential work. And so, once again, we see that reflected in this text, and that's a thing that we can both understand. We can find other reference to throughout the Gospels, and we, we can hold on to. Yeah, and and we, we apologize to give you a short study on a confusing passage for the end of the week, but I, I think it's in our best interest if we stop there and if we look at the transition that's happening next week so that we can keep some of those stories together because it does mark a change that not only a change of location but a change of pace a change of setting a change of purpose i think in the next stories and i think 
I think we will be better served to leave them together or try and um, deal with them kind of back to back next week. And so um, we'll, we'll move on from there, taking whatever we can from it. And we're gra- grateful that you join us as we discussed it. Yeah. If you haven't yet, I would subscribe because the as Holy Week continues, Luke's text will only go deeper. So we look forward to seeing you next week. And until then, be blessed. Thanks, everybody.